Right on radio. Right on radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Right on Radio. Yes, it is the time for the Saturday night sermon. And that's why Jesse and I are here. That's right. Are, are you doing the sermon tonight, Jeff? <laughs> no, we're still going to let Joe do the sermon. But Sounds Jesse, uh, Joe says something in the sermon. And uh, what say you? Well, it, it's only happened like once before, Jeff. So I think, you know, people should stick around and we're going to address it at the end. Yeah. So listen, uh, we love Joe. Uh, the sermon is out of this world, I'll guarantee you. But there is something that he says that Jesse and I just really feel we need to address. So stick around to the end and we will see you right at the very end of the broadcast. Good afternoon. This is Pastor Joe. Welcome to your Saturday night sermon. We're going to start with about a four minute song by Dana Cunningham, one of my favorite artists, just to put the Holy Spirit into you. She's a Christian artist, very well known. God bless.
song is a pure invitation to the Holy Spirit to come into you. It's what it was written for. sermon is on faith and love at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 now these three things remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love so please join me in exploring this hey this is Pastor Joe and welcome back to your Saturday night sermon Tonight's topic, again, is going to be faith, hope, and love, but we're going to focus on faith and love and give you some hope. So please join me in prayer, and we'll start out asking the Holy Spirit to come into us fully. Um, hopefully there's some very good music at the beginning of this that you got to enjoy. If not... Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to come in now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we in the Right on Radio family, pretty much the definition of a church, God, just please send your Holy Spirit to be in us as we listen to your word. God, I pray that you take over my mouth, my mind, my spirit, and let nothing but what you want to come through this sermon just uplift and strengthen the believer that watches and give a sign to the unbeliever that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray over the chat room right now that you send angels to stand beside moderators, to stand beside Christians, to bind any works of the devil in a gentle way, in an, in an undisrupted way, that they may see your love your faithfulness and that we may be brought together as a family all this we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua HaMashiach Ruach HaKodesh please come be with us Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Amen okay so there's two chapters as I promised that we're gonna deal with every week one today is called the love chapter yes you know the love chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 13, very famous, teaches you how to love. So let's start with that. Excuse me, I need my coffee. And um, let's just get right into it and boogie. So I'm going to be reading out of the NLT again. It's, it is my favorite translation. I know it could be argued that it's not the most accurate, but actually it's one of them. In fact... What I've learned so far in um, seminary is that the more modern the Bible, believe it or not, the more accurate it is. The older uh, copies are not the most accurate. You would think that they are. But we have those older copies and we have modern hermeneutics. And actually, 
something like the New American Standard is going to be, again, my opinion, more accurate than the 1611 King James. You can check into this yourself. You'll find that there's a lot of people that share this opinion. Anyway, New Living Translation is poetic, and it's easy to understand. I deal with a lot of new Christians and a lot of people who want to know how to comprehend the gospel. And if everything is thee and thou and thou art cursed and all this stuff, man, they need to just understand. And that's, that's the bottom line. They want to know. They want to know. And so what God's called me to do is try to help them. You know, you know I'm just like you. Because I am. So, let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read the entire thing. I promised you two chapters a week of the Bible. That way, if you have a busy life, and you don't get to do any kind of church service anywhere else, but you're a member of the Right on Radio community, you're learning spiritual truths from Jesse, from Jeff, you're praying with them, you're praying with me, and you're going to get a Bible lesson probably right before this video. During this video, you're going to be preached to by a pastor. And after this video, you're going to join us in prayer. And that, my friends, is what God calls us to do. To spread his word around the world. So, excuse my old eyes. I went to 14. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 13. God bless you. God bless the reading of his word. Let's boogie. If I had the gift of being able to speak in other languages without learning them, and I could speak in every language there is in all of heaven and earth, but I didn't love others, I'd just be making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and knew all about what's going to happen in the future, knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would it do? Even if I had the gift of faith, that I could speak to a mountain and make it move. I'd still be worth nothing at all without love. This crosses my mind a lot. There's areas in my life where I'm really strong in my faith. And there's areas in my life where I realize I'm just as weak as any simple unsaved man. And I have to pray a lot for forgiveness, for opinions and, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't have road rage because I, I ride an electric bicycle on the sidewalk everywhere I go. But the concept is the same. Standing in line at the grocery store can sometimes be really testing if somebody's buying $250 worth of lottery tickets and they want to pick them out one at a time. Tell me you haven't been through that. If I gave everything I have to poor people, and if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel, but I didn't love others, it would be worth nothing whatsoever. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, and never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable or touchy. When we find ourselves in those kinds of moods, we all do. Me, you, everybody you meet can become irritable and touchy. We have stepped out of the way of love. And we need to, as, as fast as we can recognize it, stop and say, Yeshua, 
Please love through me when I can't do it. Because I'm short on this. I need your help. And he will help you. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges. And will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. If your love is true, you are very forgiving. You overlook a lot. It's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to them no matter what the cost. You'll always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending them. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end. Pay attention right here because you have a focus in the, in the world today. Spiritual gifts. Praying in tongues, laying on of hands, casting out a demon, spiritual warfare. All of those things are wonderful. What are the two commandments that Jesus gave us? What did he tell us? You can write them down in the comments. I'll go ahead and tell you. Of course, you'll know. But love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love. We're commanded to love people that we wouldn't normally love. It's very difficult to do. But I want you to understand something. If God went by the same standards that we did, he wouldn't love any of us. Because we've all turned our backs on him. We've all let him down. We've all sinned against him. We've all done it arrogantly. None of us is any more righteous than the other one. Until you go to the cross... And when you go to the cross and you are saved, you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And so is anyone else who is saved. Can you save someone? No. Can I save someone? No. We can witness for Christ. We can pray in the Holy Spirit over people. But the power is His. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. All right. Let's go on. If you love someone, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. Someday prophecy Speaking in unknown languages and gifts of special knowledge. These gifts will disappear. Now we know so little, even with our special gifts. And the preaching of those most gifted is still so poor. This is how I feel. I'm not worth talking to you. But I love you and I love Jesus. And so... Here I am, unworthy being used by the Lord God. And it's an amazing feeling. But am I earning it? No. But when we have been made perfect and complete, then the need for these inadequate special gifts will come to an end and they will disappear. 
Now, compared to the fullness of Jesus Christ and us in heaven with him and having been remade, perfected in him, all of our spiritual gifts, as powerful as they are, and they are powerful for spiritual warfare, for salvation, for all kinds of things, they're inadequate. So we, sh we ought always think that it is Jesus only and us as inadequate because we can rejoice in what Jesus is using us for, but we ought never revel in our successes, our titles, our money, our expertise, any of it. It's filthy rags in front of a holy God and his holy son. It's filthy rags. But he sees our hearts and he knows if we love him and we're crying and he reaches his hand down from heaven and pulls us to him okay now we know so little even with our special gifts and the preaching of those most gifted is still so poor but when we have been made perfect and complete then the need for those inadequate special gifts will come to an end and they will disappear it's like this when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. But when I became a man, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood. And now I have put away the childish things. In the same way, we can see and understand only a little bit about God now. As if we were peering at his reflection in a bad mirror. But someday we're going to see him in his completeness face to face. Now all that I know is hazy and blurred. But then I will see everything clearly. Just as clearly as God sees into my heart right now. There are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so the definition of love, it stands for more than just romantic or familial or brotherly love. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and pull this out of my ear. There's some words in Greek that describe love. There's eros, which is the attraction between a man and a woman basically the beginning or the sexual attraction and then there's phileo which is brotherly love and both of these kind of love are designated by something because you love me i love you you know you're good to me so i'm going to be good to you and that's both in the way of being a family member but it's a little stronger actually than romantic love in my opinion because we've all had family members that have been the black sheep that have been you know maybe they went to jail or something i was that one i was that one and my family still loved me um but we come across a word in the greek it's called agape agape is an almost impossible kind of love to understand until you hear the words 
for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth him shall not perish but inherit everlasting life and in this we love God because he loved us first see we're still using our human limitation we're loving God not because of why he actually deserves to be loved but because he showed us his love when we didn't deserve it the striving is for the ability to exhibit as much agape love as possible while you're stuck in this body of flesh which is corruptible is a it's almost like a prison cell for your spirit because when God formed you in your mother's womb he knew you he knew you were going to be saved and destined you for glory and yet you've suffered in this life and he's trying to teach you how to take it and love anyway now who do we know who did that Yeshua okay so greater love has no one for this that he lay down his life for his friends if you would be willing to die for someone you're loving them like on the level of Christ I'm not gonna say you're equal to Christ there but in the model of what Jesus wanted you to strive for then you're loving someone that way the only way for us to be able to equal that would be love every single person even a person who walked up and punched us in the face and stole our purse I I just don't see I'm a very loving guy I think but I just don't see how I could equal that apart from Christ Jesus then of course through Christ I can do all things so I do see some of that and you do too I'm sure if you're a saved person you're walking in the spirit yes you do see some love that you wouldn't normally give someone and you're like thank you Jesus for letting me show grace and love there and then you shut up about it you don't glory in it you don't brag about it you don't nothing it's the love of God it went through you he gets the glory and it's done and you go on to the next event in your life okay so now we've got a pretty good definition of what unselfish sacrificing love is let's talk about faith for a minute and we're going to not just talk about what faith means. We're going to actually talk about the faith that God loves and gives credit to you for as righteousness. We're also going to talk about a couple of the faults that some of the people that are the heroes of the Bible. And the only reason I'm going to tell you about their failures is because you have your own and so do I. And I want to show you the kind of people that the Lord God uses. I don't have fingernails, so let me flip through to Hebrews gently here. Okay. Man, this is a beautiful chapter of the Bible you're going to love this if you've never heard it or focused on it please pay attention to it 
because it's going to bless you. Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? It's the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It's the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it up ahead. Men of God in days of old were famous for their faith. By faith, by believing God, we know that the world and the universe, the stars, in fact, all things were made at God's command. And that they were all made from things that can't be seen. Coffee break. It was by faith that Abel obeyed God and brought an offering that pleased God more than Cain's offering did. You know, when I was about 14 and I read this in the beginning in the Bible, I wondered, well, what was so much better about Cain? I mean, Abel than Cain. Why did Cain kill his brother? What That didn't make sense to me. The thing was that Abel brought his best before God. He didn't scrape it off the bottom of the pan. He gave God the very best off the top. And said, thank you, God, for giving me such good blessing in my life. I love you, Lord. I bow before you. Basically, it was worship. He gave him his best. And Cain's idea was, well, I'll get what I want, and then what I got left, I'll give to God. This is prevalent in this world right now. Big O time O. Don't do that. Give God your best first. Don't give it to me, to anybody you know. Send it straight up to God. All your love, all your trust, all your faith. It's by faith that Abel obeyed God and brought an offering that pleased God more than Cain's offering did. God accepted Abel and proved it by accepting his gift. And though Abel is long dead, we can still learn lessons from him about trusting God. Now you know I'm partial to this guy. Enoch trusted God too. And that's why God took him away to heaven without dying. There it is in the Bible, in case you've ever wondered. Enoch did not die on this earth. He was taken up with God. Suddenly he was gone because God took him. Before this happened, God had said how pleased he was with Enoch. What was so special about Enoch and Abel? The very simple and hard to grasp thing for us at the same time is that they believed God. You know what you have in such a time as this that they didn't have? You have this. You have 66 books of all those scrolls translated, protected by the Lord God and delivered unto you for you to find your faith. Your faith is in here. And the answer to every single thing that you have ever prayed about is in this book right here. You can never please God without faith, without depending on him. 
Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely look for him. Noah was another who trusted God. When he heard God's warning about the future, Noah believed him, and even though there was no sign of a flood and wasting no time, he built the ark. When God gives you something as a calling to do, even though you do not see how it will work, you do not see a clear path to anything, provision, logic, anything. When God gives you something to do, just do it. And God will take care of the outcome. I promise you. I promise you. I wanted to say something about my testimony here, but I'm going to hold off on it. That's for another day. One day I'll give the whole thing. It'll be a whole episode. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely look for him. We've all met, we've all been maybe, I was, maybe half sincere sometimes because I wanted to keep my lifestyle or keep certain things hidden from God. But not fully sincerely, so surrendering my life to God. Maybe 75%, you know, maybe 80. It's not going to work with Yahweh. It does not work with Yeshua. It's 100%. Now, he knows we're dust. So he gives us grace when we're 80% of the way surrendered. He does. But when you're 100%, then you're going to get 100% of God's will for you. So when you're 10% surrendered or 75% surrendered, do not expect 100% of God's blessing or direction. You must seek him with all your heart and you must believe. You must turn your back on what this world says and you must seek him with all your heart and you must believe. Don't believe Joe. Don't believe Jeff. Don't believe Jesse. We are humans. Believe the word of God as it is written. Believe it 100%. Pray to Yeshua. Pray with other believers, including Jeff, Joe, Jesse, Shiloh, Rachel, anybody that if you need help or if you need a, a prayer partner, we'll all be your prayer partner. Personally, no problem. Just be ready to come to the Lord 100%. That's going to be a requirement to get whatever miracle it is that you need. Even including being brought to a living faith. Okay, so... Noah believed him even though there was no sign of a flood, but wasting no time, he built the ark and saved his family. Noah's belief in God was in direct contrast to the sin and disbelief of the rest of the world. 
maybe in the last days I'm pretty sure we are I think we've been in in them for a little while are you starting to get called crazy I bet so I really do but you're not The rest of the world which refused to obey God. And because of his faith, he became one of those whom God has accepted. Abraham trusted God. And when God told him to leave home and go far away to another land, which he promised to give to him, Abraham obeyed. Away he went. Not even knowing where he was going. And when he reached God's promised land, he lived in tents, like a mere visitor, as did Isaac and Jacob, his sons. For generations, they lived in tents, to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confidently waiting, confidently waiting for God to bring him that strong, heavenly city whose designer and builder is God. My brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, this is exactly what you and I are waiting for, except for one thing we have different than Abraham had in those days. Our Messiah has come. He lives. He's right now preparing a mansion in glory for you right now. And he's coming here again in the midst of all this evil. He's coming. He came once. It's scientifically and historically undeniable. Anyone who tells you different is absolutely just, they're just wrong. I'm, I'm not going to be insulting to them, but they're just wrong. Intellectually speaking, there's too much fact. All right. Away he went, not knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the promised land, he lived in tents like a visitor, as did Abraham, excuse me, Isaac and Jacob. Abraham did this because he was confidently waiting for God to bring him that strong heavenly city whose designer and builder is God. Abraham had a wife. I want you to understand something about this chapter. It lists heroes of the faith. These people whom God loved enough to be included in the Bible. Abraham's wife, Sarah. Sarah, too, had faith, and because of this, she was able to become a mother in spite of her old age, for she realized that God, who gave her her promise, would certainly do what he said. But before that happened, Sarah got old, and she laughed when God told her she was going to have a baby. She had doubt, is what I'm saying. She had fear, doubt. Noah, back in the day, planted a vineyard. Got a little tipsy off of it. They, you know, more than one scholar says got drunk. And had issues with his children over that drunken episode that caused a schism between him and his son Ham. For, I don't know how many generations it goes or whether it's still going on, but I'm sure it has something to do with the bloodlines. These aren't people that were perfect in their faith. Nor are you, nor am I. 
These are people who were dealing with a God they could not see. You're dealing with a spirit that lives inside you that connects you to God, who's a spirit, who came physically and walked among us and will again. But right now, you have not ever laid your eyes on him unless you've had a vision. I have, and I know millions of other people have too. I've seen his eyes, and they're beautiful. Side note, just side note. There was a time I was laying in the hospital after waking up from literally having my heart stopped twice in a helicopter. They shocked me back, like literally did that, and I was in life flight. And when I got to the hospital, what I saw was these eyes, just eyes, in front of me. And at the time, I had, for some reason, during the daytime, put on shades in a hospital bed. Wearing a hospital gown and everything. Just basically naked ape with sunglasses on in a hospital bed. Don't ask me why. But when I saw these eyes, they looked like the most beautiful pictures of like the universe that you've ever seen. They, they had everything in them. And I looked away and I started crying and I had to throw my glasses off because my tears were coming down so much. Sobbing. And then I heard this. You can look now. And I looked up. And where those same two eyes were, were two of the most golden brown, beautiful, loving eyes I've ever seen. That doesn't mean I've looked upon the face of God, but Jesus let me look into his eyes. And that doesn't mean they're going to be that color for everybody or whatever. It's just, I know I was looking into the eyes of Jesus. And the weird part is there was a Christian radio station I wasn't even listening to, but it was on my phone at the time and it just cut on. And, um, it played a song by Plum, y'all have probably heard of, called Lord I'm Ready Now. And I just, I lost it for like 30 minutes. I was just overwhelmed by this vision. And, uh, I know that's a little off track, but just faith. Just faith. Just, just know. He's there. You'll see him. You'll see him bodily. It's coming. And it ain't going to be too much longer, praise God. Okay, so Sarah too had faith and because of this she was able to become a mother in spite of her old age for she realized that God who gave her a promise would certainly do what he said. And so a whole nation came from Abraham who was too old to have even one child. A nation with so many millions of people that like the stars of the sky, the sand on the ocean shores, there is no way to count them. These men of faith I have mentioned died without ever receiving all that God had promised them. But they saw it all awaiting them on ahead and were glad. For they agreed that this earth was not their real home, but they were just strangers visiting down here. Now isn't that an odd thing to think about? The deep state would have you believe that there are aliens coming. These interdimensional principalities and powers, fallen angels, fallen generals, they do come from elsewhere, second heaven, cast down to earth, they exist in a different kind of material way than we do, they got power over us, but 
We are the aliens. We are unique. We are peculiar and highly favored by God. And he's going to bring us down a heavenly city. 1,500 miles on a side. Made of the most beautiful gemstones. most gigantic one. You, we can't comprehend it. So I won't go into the chapter that describes it. But we're the aliens here. We're the ones who will not conform to the world. Just let that sink in for a second. Okay. This earth was not their real home, but they were just strangers visiting down here. And quite obviously, when they talk like that, they were looking forward to their real home in heaven. Now, I want you to understand, if somebody preaches to you that believers don't go to heaven, <laughs> that's not what the Bible just told you. If they had wanted to, they could have gone back to the good things of this world, but they didn't want to. They were living for heaven. And now God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had made a heavenly city for them. While God was testing him, Abraham still trusted in God and his promises. And so he offered up his son Isaac and was ready to slay him on the altar of sacrifice. Yes, even to slay Isaac, through whom God had promised to give Abraham a whole nation of descendants. He believed that if Isaac died, God would bring him back to life again. And that is just about what happened, for as far as Abraham was concerned, Isaac was doomed to death. But he came back alive. It was by faith that Isaac knew God would give future blessings to his two sons, Jacob and Esau. Now, I want you to think about something. This is God saying, would you sacrifice your son for me? And this man told Almighty God with a broken heart, I will, because I believe you're my God. But God said, you don't have to. But I will send my son and he will die for you. We're going to go all the way through with it. That's what God did for you. That is not something to play with. That is something you need to understand. God wouldn't make a human sacrifice their son for him, but he sacrificed his own son for us. Just saying. More to think about. By faith, Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Jacob's two sons as he stood and prayed, leaning on the top of his cane. And it was by faith that Joseph, as he neared the end of his life, confidently spoke of God bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. He was so sure of it that he made them promise to carry his bones with him when they left because he wanted to be buried in the land of his fathers or in the promised land. Moses' parents had faith too. When they saw that God had given them an unusual child, they trusted that God would save him from the death that the king commanded, and they hid him for three months and were not afraid. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up... Now, I want you to notice something. If you go back and look, all these people had problems, but they had faith. None of them were perfect. None of them were given this, you know, 
American dream life where you got all the money in the world and you're never going to worry about nothing because that's an illusion. All of them had problems, fears, obstacles, satanic attack, just like you, just like me, just like Brother Jeff, just like Sister Jessie. We all have that. We're a family, though, and we're living on faith. Let's go back to it. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be treated as the grandson of the king, but chose to share ill treatment with God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought that it was better to suffer for the promised Christ than to own all the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking forward to the great reward that God would give him. And it was because he trusted God that he left the land of Egypt and wasn't afraid of the king's anger. Moses kept right on going. It seemed as though he could see God right there with him. And it was because he believed God would save his people that he commanded them to kill a lamb as God had told them to do and sprinkle the blood on the doorpost of their homes so that God's terrible angel of death could not touch the oldest child in those homes as he did among the Egyptians. We seek Jesus in these modern days. Jesus is the same God who sent the angel of death to slay every child whose doorpost was not covered. Jesus is the commander of God's angel armies. Jesus is the very embodiment of God Almighty. He is no different than God the Father. Something to contemplate. The people of Israel trusted God and went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians chased them doing it, they were all drowned. It was faith that brought the walls of Jericho tumbling down after the people of Israel who had walked around them seven times seven days as God had commanded them by faith because she believed in God and in his power Rahab the harlot did not die while they, all the others in her city when they refused to obey God for she gave a friendly welcome to despise now your sin is heavy on you your sin you pray for forgiveness for it you can still hold on to it you're, you're already forgiven for it just just a thought here if you're struggling with forgiveness for something in your past but you've already prayed to the lord for forgiveness about it the forgiveness is done god's going to use you and you're just slowing yourself down with guilt you don't you don't need to carry it once jesus has paid for your sin you're done man and people get saved and they're like well, what about my future sins this is an easy answer i'm going to give you this one don't care how old you are either when jesus died on the cross all of your sins all of them that you will ever commit every single one of them were in the future well how much more do i need to say it take too long to recount the stories of the faith of gideon and barak and samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the other prophets. These people all trusted God and as a result won battles, overthrew kingdoms, ruled their people well, 
and received what God had promised them. They were kept from harm in a den of lions and in a fiery furnace. Some through their faith escaped death by the sword. Some were made strong again after they had been weak or sick. Others were given great power in battle. Samson, David. Samson was an adulterer. So was David. They made whole armies turn and run away. And some women, through faith, received their loved ones back again from death. Preferring to die. But others trusted God and were beaten to death. Wait a minute. Let's back up. I need to correct myself here. Some women, through faith, received their loved ones back again from death. But others trusted God and were beaten to death. Preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. Trusting that they would rise to a better life afterwards. There are some of you in this room. It might be me, might be you. In these last days. That you will be killed for your faith. You still believe God. You believe him all the way up to the moment of death. And you will walk through into heavenly places. And you will be made like Christ. And you will come back on a white horse. And you will conquer with Jesus Christ. Some were laughed at. And their backs cut open with whips. And others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning. And some by being sawed in two. Others were promised freedom. If they would renounce their faith. And then were killed with the sword. Don't you ever think in these last days. That if the. Satanic Nazi pulls up with an AK-47. And says if you renounce your faith in Jesus. I'll spare your family. Don't you dare drop your faith on the ground. Don't you dare. You tell him my God is greater than your God. No matter what you do to me or my family. My God is greater than yours. I have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Pull the trigger. And go right then to paradise. That's not a maybe. Others were promised freedom. If they would renounce their faith. And then they were killed with the sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats. Wandering over deserts and mountains. Hiding in dens and caves. They were hungry and sick. And ill treated. Too good for this world. And these men of faith, though they trusted God and won his approval, none of them received all that God had promised them. For God wanted them to wait and share the even better rewards that were prepared for us. That is the end of the chapter. Amen. My beloved family in ROR, God may call you to suffer. There's some dude standing up there at a pulpit whether it's like on this little computer or YouTube or wherever, or you go to their church. 
and tells you that if you put $480 in the profit plate today, all of a sudden you're going to be so blessed by God you can buy a 400 acre ranch next week. God didn't promise you that. And that man is a liar. The only person getting rich off of that is that man. But is he blessed by God? He's giving himself to the world. I love you. Be willing to suffer for Christ. Pray in all spiritual warfare. Pray in love. Pray in faith. Just join me in prayer. This is a little overwhelming. I love the Holy Spirit. I love what he says. This isn't Joey. My nickname is Joey among my family. This isn't Pastor Joe. This is Holy Spirit. Let it sink down into you. God bless you. The, the Holy Spirit hold you. And bring you close to Him. And send angels to guard you. Today. This week. I love you. In the name of Jesus, don't think nobody loves you. Because Jesus does. And I do. God bless you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for letting us spend this time together. I thank you, Lord, for opening my mouth. I pray, Lord, everything that came out of my mouth was glorifying to you and that through the sermon people will be touched. I pray that you strengthen them spiritually. I pray that you remind them to love. I pray, God, that you bless everybody that's heard this in the week that it may be until I speak to them again, but you will be with them every minute. And I pray, Lord, that every service of ROR, whether it's YouTube, whether it's on the channels of Telegram, whether it's on Patreon or anywhere else, God, that you bless it, that you bless the words of Jesse's mouth, that you bless the words of Jeff's mouth, that you open the mouths of the people that have kind of gathered together as a gathering of believers. Jesus, just bless us. Forgive us for our sins. Open up your word to us and let us learn more and let us learn how to damage all the works of the devil. We praise you for all these things in the holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. At this time, please go over to the Right On Radio chat channel and join um, Singing Poor, which is an, a wonderful, it's Shiloh and, um, and a couple of other ladies running the prayer meeting that this man a week ago was completely blessed and it's going to knock your socks off all right love you god bless you it's important to get all the facts out there yeah you know that was a really great sermon jesse but uh, we take this seriously and, you know, the, probably the most, this is probably one of the most serious things that we can do as a community. Wouldn't you agree? I would absolutely agree. It is, you know, vital. And, and so, you know, we, we had to make this, uh, well, I'm not going to say interruption, but addition to the Saturday night serve sermon, because, Joe forgot to mention that the Singing Poor prayer celebration is on Telegram. And it's starting like right after this, right at 8 o'clock on the Right On Radio main channel 
on Telegram. So, Joe, you mentioned it, but you didn't tell people where to go. And the link is in the description of this. And, of course, we just had to harass you just a tad bit. You know, hopefully you'll take it lightly. It's okay. I think I was the last one, the only other person to do something like this a while back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the family, Joe, and that really was a good sermon. And uh, we'll see you at Sing and Poor Prayer Celebration on telegrams right on radio main channel see you there right on right on right on right on radio right on radio